indeed. And good morning, everybody. Man, what a blessing to be here this morning. Singing is incredible, and the sweetness in the room, the fellowship is just awesome. We had a huge crowd in first service this morning, had to put out extra chairs. Kelly and Sarah had to come all the way to the front row almost. They got in. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here this morning. So good to see all of your smiling faces. It's cold outside. The good news is Tuesday the high will be 77, so hang in there, okay? If you don't like Texas weather today, it probably will be different tomorrow, so it's a good thing. Well, it's really, really a, a, a great time to be here this morning, to be in the Word of God. Uh, and we're going to be in Matthew 4 this morning. If you want to turn your Bibles, we'll get there in just a little bit. There, there comes a time in the life of every church when occasionally we just need to take care of a little family business. And I, I want to do that this morning and share a few updates with you. Uh, first of all, a celebration. Bill Tomlinson turns 95 this week. 95 years old. Isn't that great? 95 years young. That is awesome. That is really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful accomplishment. The next announcement is not uh, quite as, as joyful, but it's one that we need to make uh, just because it is kind of the sign of the times. It's the world that we live in, and it's no secret over the past several years um, that churches have become targets for people who seek to do uh, harm just two weeks ago. I'm sure all of you are familiar with the story, the West Freeway Church of Christ up in White Settlement, suburb just outside of Fort Worth, Texas, uh, two church members and a shooter uh, lost their lives um, when a man opened fire in the midst of their assembly and uh, then the shooter was uh, neutralized by some of the members of their volunteer security uh, team. So we've received some inquiries from several of you uh, about our own security protocol and measures here. And the elders met with the staff this past Wednesday night, and they asked that I pass along to you this morning that we do have security measures in place. And they also want to let you know that we are going to be reviewing those uh, security measures to make sure that this is a place that is safe and secure. We don't have a specific date to share with you when that review will be uh, completed, but we do ask for your prayers. And we also ask that in the meantime that you remain vigilant uh, as we review um, and complete that review and uh, put any necessary updates that we need to in place. So are we all good? We're all good with that? Okay, great. The next announcement is, uh, is one I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to make. Uh, some of you may not know this, particularly if you're new to our church, but in 2021, the A&M Church celebrates her 100th anniversary. In 2022, we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Aggies for Christ. Yes, that's right. There were Aggies for Christ 50 years ago. Wow, isn't that amazing? Amazing. Some of them are in the room, right? They were here 50 years ago when it all got started. So these, these anniversaries, you know, they're more, they're more than just dates on a calendar. They represent generations of families who have grown up knowing the good news of Jesus. And they represent hundreds of 
domestic and international mission trips and thousands of lives that have been impacted by the sharing and the teaching of God's love. And throughout the community, across the state, around the world, the A&M Church of Christ is, is absolutely known for its participation in the Great Commission. Yesterday, I was with four churches over in East Texas, some of my partners in Hope Network Ministries. We were over doing some coaching with these churches who were just trying to, trying to find their way and, 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 and figure out kind of how to mitigate this decline in churches of Christ that we've been talking about for the last little bit. And every single person, and I met dozens of people, every single person that I encountered when I told them that I, my name is Greg Anderson and I'm the lead minister at the A&M Church of Christ, not one person went, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, not one. Not one. You could literally see a countenance change on people when they found out that I was with the A&M Church. They were like, oh, oh, do you know so-and-so? And, and oh, we're, we're such good friends with. And, oh, I remember a time when the Aggies came to our church or, or to our, this children's home. Or, oh, I remember being back in school at A&M and making this connection with... And it goes on and on and on and on. This church is making a difference. It's made a difference. It's making a difference. And it's going to continue to make a difference. The question I have for you this morning is what if those first 100 years, what if those first 50 years of Aggies for Christ, what if that's only the beginning? What if these milestones also represent the first steps in our next 100 years of teaching and sharing and growing as a church family that reaches out and helps others find hope and live with purpose. Purpose of being His people. What if we could serve more? What if we could share more? Well, the good news is we are off to a great start. I want you to know that through your generosity on Mission Sunday, we uh, now have the funds to complete our Welcome Center renovation. We will be able to make that renovation without having to borrow a nickel. I don't know about you. I think that's a yay God kind of thing, right? That's a thing to be celebrating and to be excited about because we're going to have a space not just to give people information, but to be able to sit down and say, hey, let, let me know your story. Tell me about your family. And we begin to create space to build relationships and to see what God does with that. Over the next several weeks, we will be sharing a vision with you to walk through a season of sacrificial giving, yes, but also celebratory giving. It's going to allow this church to dream even bigger dreams related to helping countless people find hope and live with purpose. We're assembling final team members and leaders who are preparing more specific details, and we'll share those with you between now and the month of May as we prayerfully process and answer together one primary question, what if? So it's time to plug in. It's time to plug in. During the fall of 2019, we experienced a season, we called it our season of invitation, and we called that season of invitation Meetup. We invited you to meet up with one another, to start putting connections together, to start building relationships, to invite people to your small group or to your Bible class or to your service opportunity or into your home or into a coffee shop. It's all about building relationships in the fall. The push was to sp spend, spend time together, to be a church that comes alongside others to help them find hope and live with purpose. And that was our season of invitation. 
as we invited others to join us on the journey. Today, we begin a season of imitation. And the theme for this season of imitation is plug in. Meet up and plug in. Those may sound very familiar, as they should, because they provide the, the primary framework for finding hope and living with purpose. Meet up with us. Plug in with Jesus. Plug into community. These open doorways of finding hope and living with purpose. In essence, meeting up, plugging in, describes what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Giving our lives to him so that we may lead others to him. Is there anything in this life that you can think of that is more hopeful or more purposeful than that? I, I certainly can. Over the next several weeks, our ministry staff is going to lead you through discipleship passages from the Gospel of Matthew. And we begin this morning in Matthew chapter 4 as we take a look at verses 18 through 22. And the title of today's lesson is Discipleship, the Call of Jesus to Kingdom Living. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. And they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, when I read that last verse, I always get a little bit tickled because I just see the expression on Zebedee's face. Uh, hello, that's my help, right? Where are they, where, what are you doing? Actually, I think he probably was pretty joyful because I have a hunch he already knew the reputation that Jesus had as the great rabbi, and he was glad to see his sons go join him on that journey. One of the challenges of preaching a text is to see it through the eyes of the original audience. There's so much that separates us historically and culturally um, from Matthew's message to his intended audience. And, and actually, it seems the, the gap is even wider when we try to connect our lived experience to the lived experience of um, Peter, Andrew, James, and John here in this text. There have been thousands of sermons preached on this passage of Scripture, uh, looking for what Jesus offers. And, and, of course, a lot of preachers love to focus on the immediately they left behind part, right? Uh, this this uh, incredible response to the invitation of Jesus. But I, I want to explore this passage this morning a little bit differently. I, I want to try to reverse engineer uh, our, our, our study here just a little bit. And here's what I mean by that. Um, Peter, Andrew, James, and John were first century fishermen. And so let's roll the clock forward a little bit to January 12, 2020. And let's, 
let's just ask a hypothetical question. What if these men were modern-day church members and Jesus came and asked them the same thing? Would their response to Jesus be any different? And I have to pause here just a little bit, and I have to say, sadly, I think in, in many churches, the answer to that question is yes. I, I think their response would have been different if we're talking about modern believers, particularly in America, versus these men who lived in the first century. Now, I want you to hear me here as I make that observation. I think our church is different, and I'm going to show you how I came to that conclusion in just a bit. I think we actually might be more inclined to answer and respond the same way these four men did. However, we have to be vigilant because there is something that is happening in churches all over America, and it's actually not a recent phenomenon. It's been going on for a little while, and the impact of what's been happening is actually it's actually devastated many communities of faith. Tom Rayner, who is the former CEO of Lifeway, gives us a little bit of insight into what I'm describing when I talk about this phenomenon that has occurred in churches all over our nation. He says, I can't put a specific date on it. Smarter people than I have tried to explain it. But somewhere in the 20th century, believers particularly in America, began to shift from an attitude of self-sacrificing service and worship to God to consumer-focused, self-serving attitudes. And, and I want you to hear his words. It has been a terrible shift. The focus in too many of our worship services is not on God. We, we see the immediate response of Peter, Andrew, James, and John in this passage. Now again, let's roll the clock forward today. And, and let's just be brutally honest for just a few moments. Would their response be different today? Based on this consumerism mindset that seems to have crept into many churches, particularly in America. It might sound something like this. Follow me, Jesus says. And Peter asks, um, how long will your sermons be? Andrew asks, um, will our assemblies be traditional or contemporary? James inquires, when we start building church buildings, are you thinking pews or chairs? And John chimes in, what's a pew? Okay. Now, I hear a little nervous laughter rippling throughout the room. But I think there's something here that we as a church need to wrestle with, not because we are falling into this trap. I want to hear loud and clearly, I'm about to pat you on the back as a church 
But we want to make sure that our radar, that our antennae, that we are we're aware that this consumer mindset is out there. And if we're not careful because we're bombarded with that message over and over and over again, you need this in order to be fulfilled. You need that in order to be happy. You're incomplete if you don't have this in your life. You're just not going to be you if you don't get your way. We hear those messages over and over and over and over again. And if we are not vigilant, if we are not people of prayer, if we're not people of the word, if we're not people who are serving in the name of Jesus Christ, it could be very easy for those messages to start to wear away our resolve and make church more about what we want. Versus what Jesus invites us to be. There's this subtle shift that I think it's very, very important for us to understand. There are many followers of Jesus today who say we want, but I want you to notice what the first century disciples said. The first century disciples said we will. Will you follow me, Jesus asks. And they immediately drop their nets. They immediately leave their professions. They immediately leave their their livelihood, and they go on a journey with Jesus. There are all sorts of we wills that we could focus on this morning for this season. But the most important we will at this particular time in this church's history is to focus on the we will be a church that helps others find hope and live with purpose. Amen? What happens to us when when we choose we will more than we want? What happens to us as a church when we say, we're going to be a we will church. We're not going to be a we want church. Well, I could, I could preach this to you. I could try to break this text down. I could try to take you word by word, and, and we could really try to do the deep dive and understand what's going on here. But I, I, I want you to know that the Lord blessed us recently with showcasing for us what it looks like when a church decides to be a we will church, or when we as individuals decide to be an I will Christian, not a we want or not a I want. And I want to read a letter to you. We're going to go all first century this morning, okay? Because in the, in the first century, this happened all the time. Churches would get together and they would read letters from other followers of Jesus, sometimes apostles, sometimes not. And this morning I want to read a letter to you from a young man who many of you know. Some of you do not because he graduated a couple of years ago and moved to Dallas. This is a letter from Kareem Hussein. And Kareem wrote this letter to our elders and to our staff. And I followed up with him after, after I received it and read it. And I said, Kareem, would you be okay with me sharing that with the entire church? And if you know this young man at all, you know how selfless he is. And he said, oh, no. He said, that would be great. I'd be happy for you to do that. So I want to read this note to you. And I want you to see if I read this. I just want you to think in your mind about the difference between being an I want Christian and an I will Christian. Or collectively, a we want church or a we will church. He says, A&M Church of Christ elders, ministers, and staff that faithfully watch over God's flock. I pray that some of you remember me. From 2015 to 2018, I was part of the regular congregation at the A&M Church. The foundation of my faith story is our church. 
and how its people helped lead me to Jesus. The words I'm about to write are meant for each of you individually. It is my goal to convey gratitude, hope, friendship, and my love for each of you as your brother in Christ. When I tell others about how I came to Christ, the constant scene I highlight for them is the family prayer time event at my first service at our church, which was also my first church service ever. I watched in awe as members of our church huddled together to pray about various things. Imagine me as an outsider not truly understanding what love is, witnessing people crying, laughing, and hugging while coming before God. I saw the word vulnerable pop up in my mind, but this wasn't how I understood vulnerability. There was no sense of weakness in it. Rather, I saw that no matter what sorrows these people were going through, they maintained their strength. But how, I thought. How can you all be so vulnerable yet strong? And, and more than that, how can you love each other so earnestly? I had to know more. I craved to know more. Something deep inside of me, perhaps primordial in nature, yearned to know more. So our church took me in. All of you were involved with that. I studied with you. I prayed with you, followed your lead on how to grow closer to God, and became part of the family that God has blessed us with, the sibling relationship we share in Christ Jesus. I began to understand a bit more about what love is, or rather, who love is. I saw that even when we are weak, we are strong since we are in Christ, allowing us to be hopeful through our weaknesses. My commitment to him was made on October 2nd, 2016, as Jerry Brewer baptized me while surrounded by the witnesses that I have come to call brothers and sisters. Since that time, there have definitely been some faith challenges, and I'm prayerfully working through those after moving to Dallas and visiting with other congregations. But I fondly remember the beginnings of my faith in which the A&M Church was the foundational piece. To each of you individually, I say thank you. Thank you for making the commitment to serve the A&M Church and by extension, God himself. Thank you for wanting what's best for our brothers and sisters. Thank you for welcoming in new people. There will be many more Kareems walking through that door. And I have a smile on my face right now knowing that they will be welcomed by some of the most genuine, kind-hearted people I have ever come to know. You are all constantly and fondly in my thoughts, prayers, and heart. For under Christ, we share a close bond. You all have done so much for me personally, and I will hold that in my heart until my reunion with the Lord. With all the love my heart can muster, Kareem Hussein, and he signed the end of his letter, as all good Aggies do, in his case, 17th.
I didn't read that letter to you so much to make you just feel good about what we do around here. I want you to see what happens when a church decides to be a we will church. When we decide what's truly important to focus on and how we spend our time and how we spend our energies. That we don't walk into this place asking questions like, how can I be served? Rather, we walk in asking, where can I serve? How can I serve? Let me give you just a couple of examples of contrasting the difference in we want and we will. We want language sounds something like this. You know, nobody really seems to be paying a lot of attention to us. Here's we will language. It's questions like, who are we going to pay attention to? We want language sometimes sounds like this. I, I just want to pick a fight with that person over that issue. But we will language is, I want to pray for that person. Because I know that Jesus died for them too. We want sounds something like this. I, I want more say over what goes on around here. But we will language sounds something like this. I will commit to peace and to unity. And here's the beautiful thing, AM Church of Christ's family. I believe with all of my heart that you are becoming more and more and more a we will church. You are loving well. You are reaching out more. You are bearing one another's burdens. You're going after the disenfranchised and you're giving them a place of community. You're smiling. You're giving. You're serving. I only mention the consumerism piece this morning because it is the death knell to so many churches. But if we remain vigilant, if we remain steadfast in prayer, if we keep on serving and loving and proclaiming, we will, then more than a handful of people are going to find hope and live with purpose because this church is here. I ask you again, amen? As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, with his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. I want to close this morning by asking you a two-word question, and I hope you will do better than the first assembly by giving me a two-word response. The question is, will you? Amen.
Let's stand together. Let's sing.